Welcome to episode 10 of the Upper 90. I'm Sam Culp. Glad to be back talking all things Premier League here on the WMEC Sports Network of Podcasts. Got another great episode for you this week. I'll be giving my thoughts on the Frank Lampard sacking as well as Manchester United's loss against Sheffield. And also I'll be discussing Tottenham's fall from the top of the table to now sitting in sixth place. Let's get right into it, starting off with some quick hits. Quite a bit of transfer news from the past couple weeks. Obviously, the January transfer window is coming to a close. Uh, and not, not many huge moves to report. I mean, it was, it was pretty quiet for the most part. As expected, a lot of clubs hesitant to spend money during this COVID period. And rather than maybe you know, improve their squads by spending uh, uh, some, some money around Europe, they opted to just sit back and sell off some of their deadwood, some of their older players uh, no club did more, I'd say, in, in terms of the selling off market than Arsenal. They got rid of quite a few players, including including Mustafi, Kalazinac, uh, uh, Kalazinac on loan, and uh, uh, Socrates as well. But the most notable move they made was uh, terminating their contract with former star midfielder Mesut Ozil. This was a long time coming, and if you've listened to some of the prior episodes, uh, you know I've talked about how there were disagreements between Urzel and, and his, his camp, as well as the club on financial issues, as well as the club's handling of the pandemic. And then um, there was also some, uh, some debate around uh, the, the China dispute that was happening between um, Arsenal and Urzel. Uh, but I'm not going to get into all of that. Bottom line, Urzel is no longer an Arsenal player, and he's still got quite a bit of talent left. Uh, he's, he's not super old, I think. It feels like uh, he's been around for a lot longer than really he has. And, you know, he's ha- he had a tremendous career at Arsenal, one of their best players of the decade for sure. But he's only 32, and uh, he, he signed a contract with Fenerbahce in the Turkish Turkish Super League. So he's going to head there now and, and try to progress his career. I know there was uh, there were, there were some rumors about him coming to the MLS, but that's unfortunately isn't happening. It would be great to get him here in the States, but... Uh, you know, he's going to Turkey with a chance to revitalize his career over there. Arsenal have uh, a great crop of young players that will fill the spots left by some of the older guys that were sold out during the window, which is perfect for them. They've really surged up the table in the last couple of weeks, led by some of those young players, Bukayo Saka, Emil Smith-Rowe, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, all getting uh, time in the starting eleven because uh, there are some open spots to be filled. Arsenal fans uh, don't have a long history of being patient with their club, but I think they're going to have to be uh, if, if they want their club to really succeed because these young players, they're going to get time this season to gain experience in the Premier League, but I don't think they're going to seriously contend for anything this year. They might get top five. That's certainly still a possibility with their recent uh, good run of form. But uh, I encourage Arsenal fans just to be patient. Let these youth players grow. Let more guys come up from the academy. You still have uh, uh, Balogun, Saliba, some other players who haven't even hit the pitch yet for Arsenal um, and are, are still uh, really young guys, 18, 19, that uh, uh, age range. So just be patient. Let the, let the players grow and uh, look for Arsenal to be a serious, serious contender in the next couple of years if these young players do turn out. Uh, some of the other major transfer news, some of the bigger players in deals, Jesse Lingard just yesterday 
uh, it was announced that he would be uh, he's going to be loaned out to West Ham for the remainder of the season. Lingard really has uh, fallen off at Man United. He was one of their best players, I'd say, for you know t- three, four years ago, um, and really made a name for himself as one of the up and comers in the Premier League. But since then, he really, I, I think, really just hasn't clicked with the managers. Never really clicked with Jose Mourinho or Ole. Uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer now at Man United, but uh, he goes to West Ham, and again, similar to Mesut Ozil, has a chance to to restart his career, get uh, himself back on track, and uh, play, certainly play some more at a West Ham squad that could really use some energy from him. Uh, it's 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 a good move. West Ham right now fifth in the table, so he's going to get uh, some some big minutes uh, if he plays, which I'm assuming he will. And then also uh, Delhi Alley is going to be loaned out to PSG for the remainder of the season. Uh, former Tottenham wonder kid looked like he was going to be one of the players of the generation too. Um, and, and also just similar situation slipped off uh, with Jose Mar- since jo- Jose Mourinho came to Spurs, hasn't really found his footing in the club. You know, you could just tell from the beginning that Mourinho and, and Dele just never clicked. Um, I remember watching the, the Amazon documentary uh, I think it was from last year, and they were always going back and forth at each other, and sometimes it was playful, and it, it, you know they they would never show it if it got malicious, but uh, they just never never worked together, and it's it reminds me a lot of Mourinho and Pogba at Man United, you know that both re- had respect for each other there, and I'm sure Delhi has a lot of respect for Mourinho and vice versa, but uh, it, their their styles just never clicked. And uh, I think a move to PSG under Maurizio Pochettino is best for Delhi. He can um, again, you know, get himself back on track and make it back and come back to Tottenham, uh, uh, ready to play at a higher higher level. He's he's also barely been in the squad this season, um, so financially it's a smart move. He's he's getting paid a lot of money to sit on the bench, so he'll go to PSG and uh, uh, try to get back to his best football in League One. All right, moving on to the news that everyone was talking about over the past week. Frank Lampard sacked as Chelsea manager. He is out after a year and a half at the club. Thomas Tuchel comes in to take his spot as manager. Um, yeah, you know, it, it took me by surprise when I first saw the news. Um, they, had, they were coming off of a good FA Cup win against Luton Town. It, it looked like maybe things were turning around for Chelsea. They got a, a result at Fulham. But, uh, but, but right after the Fulham match, they lose 2-0 to Leicester. And I think at that moment, you know, the thoughts started to creep in my head, like, Frank's not going the distance. He's not making it through this season unless something drastic changes. And, well, you could start to see some of the turnaround, and the players were always behind Lampard. Uh, the board needed results, and they weren't getting it. And Chelsea were just slipping further th- down the table. They were in ninth at one point behind Arsenal, who were, as we as we know, we're flirting with relegation for the earlier parts of the season. So that's unacceptable. I think objectively, that's unacceptable for a club that just spent two hundred million. You cannot be closing, you know, near the bottom half of the table when you spent all that money. And personally, I don't blame the manager completely. Timo Werner had a lot of missed chances. He hasn't played his best. Kai Havertz has been out of the lineup because of COVID, Christian Pulisic, injury. You can go on and on and on with these various reasons why Chelsea haven't been at their best. But the bottom line is everything points to the manager. And Frank Lampard just didn't do enough to help uh, help the squad win. Um, you can go back to 
uh, the, the Arsenal match where it was clear that Mikel Arteta was just out coaching Frank Lampard out. He, he, was, he was a better tactician than him. And Lampard wasn't changing his tactics, wasn't changing his formation to, uh, to, to, to adjust when Arsenal were sitting back after going up a couple goals. And Arsenal just took that match pretty easily. And remember, that was, that was when uh, the two clubs were on a complete opposite trajectory. And since then, the same thing has happened. Arsenal are surging up the table and Chelsea have been falling down. Um, and, a, and, and a lesser result was the last, last straw in that match. Granted, Lampard did switch things up in terms of the lineup. He starts. He started Callum Hudson-Odoi, which you know pretty much every Chelsea fan was calling for for weeks. They wanted to see some of that young creativity that the squad had been lacking, um, and nothing changed. Chelsea lose two 0 They looked flat for most of the match. Offensively, they were terrible, and you know I, I don't think you could you can really make a case uh, a good case for Lampard to stay on, but it did surprise me, you know, I, I thought um, maybe because he is a club legend, he's the club's all-time leading goal scorer, that they'd give him a little bit more leeway, and also because of what he did last season, it, 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 he doesn't get enough credit for that, getting that that squad, that young squad, of, you know, their, their two best players were Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham, guys who had never played a minute in the Premier League, and he gets them to top four, it's impressive, so I, you know, I think he deserved maybe a little bit more time, but again, you know, at a certain point, you just got to pull the trigger, and it's something that neither Arsenal or Man United have done with their managers, and it's worked out. But uh, Roman Roman Abramovich doesn't play around, and um, you know, even with with a legend like Lampard, you can't be in ninth place in the table this late into the, into the season, and uh, he gets the sack. In comes in comes Thomas Tuchel, who managed at uh, Dortmund, PSG most recently, um, has, has a long resume of experience. In a lot of ways, I look at him as the anti-Lampard. He has the experience that Lampard doesn't have. He has, he's, he's, a, he's a player's manager. He, um, he's, he always preaches that he lets the, the player, he, he plays to the, their strengths rather than uh, trying to mold them into whatever tactic he comes in with, which was a lot of times what Frank Lampard would do. His um, his wide play just never fit Chelsea. They were always swinging balls into the box with no one to, to get ahead on them. And uh, that just wasn't Chelsea's style. Or just, I'm sorry, it wasn't Chelsea's, didn't fit Chelsea's personnel at all. Your, your, your best header of the ball is Olivier Giroud. And when you have Timo up front, you know, you're, you're not, even if you get service into the box, he's not a very uh, good target to hit. So it just never worked. But Tuchel is the opposite. He's going to try to um, try to build around the players, try to uh, uh, fit their style of play. He he's a creative manager. He loves to see young guys get into the squad, which is what what you know exactly what Chelsea need. They need more play from Callum Hudson Odoi, Reese James, Christian Pulisic, Mason Mount. I mean, I I think I'm really excited about what Tuchel is going to bring to Chelsea. I think I'm, I'm optimistic. Even though they sit in eighth place right now, I'm hopeful about what's ahead, and and they they have a great opportunity here to turn things around. Their next five matches are against Burnley, Tottenham, Sheffield, Newcastle, and Southampton. I mean that's five opponents that are beatable, and with Spurs playing so poorly, arguably their best opponent in this upcoming stretch of games, 
Um, you know, I, I could see them going on a little bit of a run here and getting back into the swing of things. And also, you, you have to consider the fact that the Premier League is so tight right now. Chelsea are in eighth with 20, or uh, sorry, 30 points, and Man City lead with only 41. So uh, there's ground to be made up. Definitely an opportunity if Chelsea can string together some good results in the, in the upcoming days. They played against Wolves uh, in, in the midweek, nil-nil result. Uh, it, was, it was a great match, I thought, for considering that Tuchel only had one training session coming in. It was a great match from the Blues. They, they played motivated. They had some really great chances. Unfortunately, weren't able to convert. But in Tuchel's first match, I'll take a nil-nil result against a decent Wolves side uh, that, that had already beaten Chelsea earlier in the year. So, again, optimistic about what's ahead. I'm disappointed that uh, Lampard you know, had to be sacked so early. And uh, the banter from from the fans of other clubs is going to sting for a little bit, but uh, you know Frank Lampard is always going to be a Chelsea legend. That will never change. It's just a shame that uh, he had to go out as manager this way. So let's talk. Let's talk Manchester United now. And there's so much to get into here. Um, they've been at the forefront, I'd say, of kind of the the will they won't they in terms of sacking Ole. I mean, over the past couple months, it's been up and down. At times, it's looked like uh, uh, the Glazers have to sack Ole. That's their only option at this point. And now it's appearing that he's got his job secured and he might actually uh, you know, be a, be a decent manager. I know, it's crazy. Uh, but there's no way you can really pin down uh, the identity of, this, uh, of Ole in this Manchester United club because... They go on a run here where they look like they're going to be serious title contenders. They uh, get a huge draw with Liverpool. They beat Burnley. They uh, uh, they beat Aston Villa. They beat Wolves. They draw with Leicester. They beat Everton. I mean, these last couple of of weeks have been really, really strong for United. And then they they lose to Sheffield. And then they have a catastrophic result on Wednesday. They lose 2-1 to the worst club in the league by far, the, the team that got off to the worst start in Premier League history. Sheffield United had two points through their first 14 matches, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, again, the worst start in Premier League history, and now they come back to beat second-place Man United. Uh, there's, there's, it's unexplainable at this point, and I, don't honest, I honestly don't know what to make of it. I've watched a lot of Manchester United's matches, and... You know, they have the talent to succeed, um, but it's just these certain times when there's a lack of concentration, specifically uh, in, in the front three. Um, you know, Anthony Martial, we, we could spend all day talking about him and his struggles because it's, unacce- it's gone to the point where it's, it's unacceptable how terrible he has been this Premier League season. And, you know, I'm not going to place the blame on Marcus Rashford at all, but, you know, even him sometimes, he's missed some easy chances, um, you know, they need, they need a guy, I hate to harp on this, but they need a guy like Jaden Sancho to really energize that front three at times because while the defense has been strong, and I have to give credit to Harry Maguire, he got a goal in this Sheffield match in the 64th minute to tie things up at that point, but um, again, so while the, the defense has been strong, uh, the, the front three and the attack just sometimes falls asleep. And, um, 
you know, it's, 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 it's unexplainable, it's unacceptable, and it's just created this, this dilemma uh, from a neutral point of view about how to feel about Manchester United. They're, they're still in second place. They're still in a great position to contend for the title. They're only one point behind Man, Man City, but um, do we really think this is a serious title contending club? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't trust Ole at this point. He still hasn't reached a final since he's been the manager of Man United. Still has never shown to be that, that uber-consistent manager that we see in the Pep Guardiola's and the Jurgen Klopp's of, of the football world. Still hasn't done that. And I'm not, I'm not ready to say that Man United are going to, to come out of the season with, with or come out of these, of, after that Sheffield game with a, a new energy, a new, um, a, new, a new purpose to get to the top of the table. They have a huge match against Arsenal this weekend, and I think this is going to be a real test. They've, they've had some relatively easy matches during, uh, during that unbeaten streak that they had up until the Sheffield match. And, it, you know, they, they won games they, were, they should be winning. They're Manchester United. They're one of the big clubs in the world. But this is, uh, they lost to Arsenal earlier in the season, and this is now kind of a litmus test on where Manchester United are going to be for the rest of the season. Because if they lose this match, I'm really not sure how you can take them seriously. Even if they don't get a win, I'm not sure how you can take them seriously with, uh, you know, Arsenal playing better, but, but they're still a step down, maybe two steps down from what Man, Man United should be with their talent. Um, it'll be interesting to, to see the lineups from both of those sides, um, too, because I know Arsenal are, are still trying to sort through their young players and, and, you know, some of their older guys like William, who haven't been playing as well, uh, could, could get the starter or Mikel Arteta could opt to play some of his young players, which, in my opinion, gives Arsenal a much better chance to win this match. Um, but huge, huge match uh, uh, tomorrow at 12.30. Uh, you know, winner not only gets bragging rights, but gets um, a huge step up in the table because if United win, they go top. Um, and if Arsenal win, they just continue what's been a really nice uh, uh, run of games. But getting back to Manchester United and Ole, um, you know, he's, I think he's done enough to solidify his spot as the Manchester United manager, but, you know, they didn't buy any players in the window. He's kind of all on his own at this point. Um, and man, I just, I just don't know how you can, how you can trust this squad. There's so much hype. There was so much hype around them because, uh, you know, they were, they drew with Liverpool. They went uh, ahead of their two biggest rivals in Man City and Liverpool and then they lose to Sheffield, and it's just the same old Man United. It's the Man United that we see get big results in the Premier League and then lose to Leipzig in the Champions League and, and, and drop down to the Europa. So I don't trust them yet. Uh, i, I got to see more. i got to see them play a really good match against Arsenal to say definitively they are deserving of being in that title hunt. Moving on to Tottenham, there is so much to get into here. Uh, it's t- Spurs are on the verge of collapse. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. What looked like a really good squad and a one, one of Jose Mourinho's best uh, turnarounds as manager has now fallen apart in more ways than one. And I'll start by talking about the the result over the weekend. Liverpool three uh, Spurs one. It was. Pretty much a complete domination 
by by Liverpool's uh, you know Jurgen Klopp masterclass. He he um, he had his had, had his lads ready to go against to go against Tottenham and attack a, an all of a sudden a very shaky defense. Um, and Liverpool were able to break through Tottenham's lines at ease. Uh, uh, Mane had a great goal in there too, but you know it was it was poor defending the whole the entire match by Spurs. And uh, you know they went down at a, a, a goal at halftime. Serge Aurier was substituted out, and then you know which is, which is a routine thing at times when when your defense isn't playing well, you sub you sub out a defender and try to bring on someone new. That's that's uh, shouldn't be anything out of the blue for Serge Aurier, but then these stories start to come out after the game that you know he was arguing with Jose Mourinho. He stormed out of the locker room, out of the stadium uh, uh, during halftime because he wasn't seen back on, on the bench uh, during the second half. And, you know, this is, this is absolutely not what Spurs needed. They don't need another, uh, you know, another distracting moment uh, to take them away from what's been a, a horrible stretch on the pitch, but now this whole Aurier thing is is distracting away from uh, you know the defensive struggles that Tottenham are facing. They were one of the best defensive squads in the league through the first ten matches of the season. I on this podcast said you know I think they're the best defensive team in the league. I don't I couldn't see why not. They had the least goals allowed through the first ten matches. They were pretty much the best in every defensive statistic, and now you see them getting battered up by Liverpool 3-1 after Liverpool hadn't scored in, I think it was more than 400 Premier League minutes. It's these type of things where you start to question um, Jose Mourinho's ability, not as a tactician, because we he's a, he's a fantastic football mind, there's no debating that, but as a manager. And, and you got to question his ability to keep the squad together throughout the entire season. Um, the you know We all know his style sit back, park the bus, let the other team come to him and, and try to score in the counterattack. But when your defense is playing as poorly as Tottenham's, Tottenham's yeah, Spurs is right now, there's, there's nothing you can do because the, the back line is just going to get broken down and you're not going to have those counterattack chances because a Liverpool, whoever Tottenham is playing, is going to know that your back line is weak and just pounce on that. Um, it, it was easy for Liverpool and it's going to be easy unless Mourinho can get something figured out quickly. And then, of course, the other news, probably the most significant news uh, from the week, is that Harry Kane is going to miss multiple weeks with an injury. The, the, you know, there are two things I said that are going to derail Tottenham uh, from the season. The first is their, their back line being consistent, which we've now seen they are. And the second is an injury to either Kane or Son, because those two players, those two guys, are arguably the two most valuable players in the Premier League. Other than Bruno Fernandes, I'll give him his credit. But Kane and Son are so important to what that Tottenham squad does that if just one of them is out, they look completely disconnected. And it's what happened against Liverpool in the second half. They just looked out of it. And they have a match with with Chelsea coming up. I'm not sure uh, how that attack is going to be able to score any goals against a stout Chelsea back line. That's a good Chelsea defense that... Uh, Tottenham are going to have to go up against without their best two attacking players. And Kane, I think, is is probably, you can say, more valuable than Son with what he does, not just scoring, uh, but also uh, in terms of passing and facilitating that offense. 
So uh, they're in trouble right now. They're in sixth place, but they have clubs, you know, they, they have multiple teams right on their heels, Everton, Chelsea, Arsenal, Aston Villa, all within, uh, all within distance of sixth place Tottenham. Mourinho has to do one hell of a job to keep, to keep Spurs on track this season. Before I end this episode, I want to briefly talk about some of the smaller clubs in the Premier League. Um, there are, you know, this is a crazy Premier League season, and I feel like I haven't done, I haven't quite highlighted some of the smaller, some of the smaller uh, club storylines enough. Uh, no club, no quote unquote small club has had a better season than West Ham. They are in fifth place right now. They look prime uh, for the not just this season, but also for the future. And while they are. Um, you know, six points out of the title spot, and I don't know if you can really say they're going to, you know, win the title or anything. They're taking care of their business, and they're maybe the one Premier League club that hasn't had a huge, devastating loss. They've really done their jobs. They they haven't gotten, they haven't really had any huge wins where you're like, yeah, you know, this is this is a serious Leicester City esque type title contender. But they also haven't had any bad losses, and that's maybe more important. They only have five losses on the season, and they're all to decent clubs. Um, when I was scrolling through their matches, you know, it's all decent results, no spectacular ones. But you know, this is how you do well in the Premier League: is to handle your business against the worst clubs and try to get points against the bigger ones. If you can get a point away at Man City or against Liverpool, you're you're well on your way. To finishing in a European qualification spot, and they're doing exactly that. They bring in Jesse Lingard from Man United, who can help them maybe in terms of scoring. Uh, but their roster is already stacked. Declan Rice, uh, Ben Rama is having a great season. Um, you know they they have some really re- they have some ballers on that team. Straight up, they have some ballers on that squad who can really play. And I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. Um, on the opposite end of things. We have to talk about Wolves and their struggles this season. They finished seventh place last year. Uh, they're they're still a really fun club to watch. They they have that um, uh, they have a lot of young talent and they're they, when they're at their best, they're an attacking side, high energy attacking side that scores a lot of goals. Now they were hit with a huge blow earlier this season when their star player Raul Jimenez went out with a horrific. Um, a, a horrific head injury um, that's that's going to cost him a lot of time. He hasn't played since. Uh, speaking of which, just a quick side note, uh, the Premier League, I believe today or yesterday, is going to institute concussion substitutes, something that I have been calling for uh, and a lot of Premier League fans have been calling for for a long time. A concussion substitute basically comes on when a player has had some sort of head-to-head contact so that the player who may be injured can be checked on the sidelines, on the touchline, uh, by the physio, and it just it'll it prevents the um, the team who has the injured player from going down to ten men. They can get a substitute on, and when the injured player, if he's deemed healthy enough to come back on the pitch, uh, can then that substitute is taken off. So it's it's just another way. It's another um, safety measure that good on the FA and the Premier League for instituting it. It's another safety measure that really needs to be taken. But anyway, getting back to Wolves, they're in a position right now in 13th where they are looking straight at a, a possible relegation bout because I don't think they're going to be able to pick up a whole lot of points. Um, they've 
haven't done a great job against some of the lesser teams in the league. Uh, they lost to West Brom last Saturday. Um, they they did draw with Chelsea this weekend. That's a good result. But they have Crystal Palace coming up tomorrow. That's going to be a really tough matchup. Um, and, and while they're 10 points ahead of relegation right now, I expect them to drop down. And I think Fulham is playing really good football right now. They're sitting in 17, or 18th. So uh, that, that margin is going to get much tighter. And I worry for them. They did sign a new striker, William, uh, William Jose. Uh, during the window, so maybe he'll help them offensively, but unless they can start scoring some, some more goals, they are in deep, deep trouble. And then there's the relegation battle, which right now is, compared to the rest of the league, not super close. Fulham right now in 18th place with 13 points, Brighton in 17th uh, with 18. So uh, a five-point difference right now between Brighton and the relegation zone. They have to be feeling pretty good about where they stand. They've gone through um, quite a few tactical changes, formation changes over the season, and yet they're still uh, not not in the relegation zone just yet. Um, I did say earlier that I thought Wolves are going to drop down into that relegation battle. I also think Newcastle might. They have uh, lost five straight, five matches straight in the Premier League, and uh, have don't look like they're going to be getting any better. So I think this is going to be get at at a certain point get to be a very close relegation battle. I think Burnley are safe. I think they're the uh, the probably the best team um, right now in the kind of bottom six, bottom seven range. Um, I really like their defense. They beat Liverpool in their last match. That's huge. So um, I think they're safe. Crystal Palace too, but I think Wolves, Newcastle, Brighton are the three to look out for in kind of that bottom six tier. And then, of course, you have West Brom and Sheffield right below Fulham. I don't see them getting out of the relegation zone. I think those are the two clubs that are most likely to get relegated. Interesting fact about uh, Sam Allardyce and West Brom. Sam Allardyce has never been relegated in the Premier League, but it looks like West Brom is going to be uh, his, his first club, the first club that he's managed that will be relegated. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of the upper 90. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at Culp underscore Sam. You can also follow WMUC Sports at WMUC Sports. I'm looking forward to getting more episodes out as we get into, uh, as we get down the stretch of this Premier League season. It's been so fun, such such a great season so far, and I'm sure the action will continue. Have a great weekend, everyone, and I'll talk to you next week.